our objective is to survey, let me say, the first 10, 15 seconds of the flight to have data. Because at the end of the day, Mira 1 is a technological demonstration. We want to learn from that to ensure that Mira 5 will be a succeed from the very early flights. So we saw a lot of newcomers going directly to develop an orbital class vehicle and failing, failing. So this is why we made that decision, that strategical decision to develop Mira 1. But if the rocket clears the tower, there will be a good party afterwards. Hey, Space Watchers. This is Space Cafe Radio, your channel about trends, great people, and awesome events. We recorded this episode of Space Cafe Radio a few days before the maiden flight of Miura 1, a new European micro-launcher developed by Spanish rocket company BLD Space. My guest is Raúl Verdú. He's the Chief Business Development Officer and co-founder of PLD Space. I spoke with him remotely while I was preparing for this exciting launch. My name is Remco Timmermans, independent space marketing and communication specialist and contributor to Spacewatch Global. Enjoy our conversation. Welcome to this radio episode, Raoul. It's really nice to have you here. Can you, first of all, introduce yourself? What is your role in the company? And then we'll talk about what the company itself is. Hello. So thank you very much for inviting us to that program. So my name is Raoul Verdu, one of the co-founder and chief business developer officer at PLD Space. I was leading, let me say, the development of that launch service business since the beginning, starting as an industrial engineer here in Spain, developing the first private liquid rocket engine Deswench had never previously developed in Europe outside, let me say, an institutional program. Today, I'm in charge of the team that we are starting the, let me say, the commercialization of our launch services. So it's a pleasure to stay with you today. Likewise. And again, thank you for joining. Now, you talked about the company. It sounds like it's fairly new. When was PLD Space started? We have started to becoming, let me say, old. We founded the company in 2011. So this November, we will, our birthday will be. 12 years old company today. And we start, let me say, having that dream and following the space trend, let me say, grow green in terms of business in the United States or in another region, but not in Europe at that date. And we decide to found that company to start, let me say, to develop a liquid rocket engine here in Spain, having in mind that the opportunity to, to becoming PLD space in a new launch operator in Europe, it's, you know, at that day was a dream. And today it's a reality becoming into reality. That's amazing. And we're going to talk about that reality very shortly. But the micro-launcher business in the world, let alone in Europe, is fairly new. It seems like PLD Space is one of the first ones. Is that correct? Yes. We call us the original micro-launcher company in Europe. We started the business, let me say, first of all the other colleagues in Europe. But that day was, let me say, too early. The market was not, let me say, with the maturity level that we have today on the table. And competition is hard. And we are very happy on that. Because we see the market, there are many players trying to develop its own service. And I think it's very, let me say, optimistic scenario in front of us for us and also for our competitors. So I think it's a very good moment to invest in that sector. Excellent. So the company is about 12 years old. How big is the company in number of employees at the moment? Today we are 140 full-time employees. We are growing like five, six per month today until 250, 260 because we are starting uh, let me say the serial production of Mira 5. We are increasing because we have a lot of engineers, but we are increasing our capabilities in terms of manufacturing, integration, and operations. And we are learning a lot with that uh, Mira 1 test campaign. And this is the size of the company today. We have more than 150,000 square meters of industrial facilities, workshops, test benches, hangars, and spaceport. So today we are starting to have, let me say, 
the proper size to start that business. Excellent. Now you're based in Elche, which is near Benidorm, that many listeners will know for completely different reasons. Is that the <laughs> is that your main location? Is that your only location in Spain and in Europe? Yes, no, we have four bases today. So our headquarters, it's here in Elche. It's a very good place to live, beach, good weather, good food. Even it's a very good place to develop technology. There are a lot of industry here, toy industry, plastic, automation, like robots and things like that in, in the region. So it's very industrial region. We use, let me say, the traditional industries, supply chain to, to manufacture several parts of our rockets. Here we have three workshops, one workshop dedicated to manufacture engines, another workshop for Mira 1, and another big workshop to manufacture Mira 5. The other location in Spain, it's Teruel Airport. We have there 100,000 square meter. In that base, we have all the test benches to test engines, to test rockets, the hangar, the mission control center, and we qualify at system level of uh, our entire rocket family there. In Huelva, it's south in Andalusia, southwest of Spain close to the Atlantic Ocean, and there we are operators in one of the military range to do testing, for example, to test parachute, to test Mira-1, and things like that. And our fourth location is in French Guiana, so we are happy to start, let me say, the collaboration with Kenes and to start the implementation of our launchpad there in Kuru. So a true European undertaking, I hear. Now, of course, the topic that we're talking about is the imminent launch of Mira-1. Tell us all about it. When is it going to happen? What's happened in the build-up to this very exciting upcoming launch? Yes, it is. So we are trying to make history in Europe. So it's easy to say it, but it's hard to do it. So we spend, I don't know, 10 years developing from scratch almost everything, each component, each subsystem, each system. And when you see the entire rocket integrated in the pad and you see the director, how tall is the vehicle and how... Happy is the team with the with the acceptance test. So we passed the final ground test like two weeks ago. So we are just waiting for a good, let me say, weather condition to do our maiden flight. So this week we have one of the windows. We will, let me say, advise 24 hours before when we receive the, let me say, the, um, the okay from our authorities here. Uh, just to, let me say, to put in the calendar the moment of the terminal countdown. We are working with a lot of, let me say, excellence, and we are trying to be not that much optimistic because at the end of the day, it's a test flight. So any result, we are expecting any result. So super good, super bad, something in the middle. But this is rocket science. So you need to start, you need to test and test, fail and test again. So it's our philosophy to develop almost anything. So Mira Wine, it's not an, I'm saying, an exception. Okay, now what I read in the press release is that anything at, at the height of the launch tower is a big success. Is that the key objective? Is to yes. To get this thing off yes. the ground, literally <laughs> off the ground? <laughs> yes, because the cost in terms of time and money to manufacture a new vehicle, so we have in the workshop another unit of Mira One will be easy to resume flight if we, let me say, lost the vehicle, but will be harder if we lost the path because it's a unique pad and it depends on the damage of the pad in case of something super bad happens. Our, our objective is to survive, let me say, the first 10, 15 seconds of the flight to have data because at the end of the day, in Mira 1, it's a technological demonstration. We want to learn from that to ensure that Mira 5 will be a succeed from the very early flights. So we saw a lot of newcomers going directly to develop an orbital class vehicle and failing, failing. So this is why we made that decision, that the strategical decision to develop Mira 1. But if the rocket clears the tower, there will be a good party afterwards. 
<laughs> Excellent. <laughs> That's a good quote for social media as well. Assuming total success, what will the trajectory of this very first mission look like? My vision today is, you know, if something bad happens, the downside is not that big because at the end of the day, there's the expectation set that for everybody, that market, that developments are super hard. It's very complex. So any other guys that they are doing the same, they know how hard it is to develop that technology. So the downside is, let me say, if we fail, it will be normal scenario. But the upside to do it in a maiden flight, it's quite big in terms of respect, in terms of customers and investors and our brand, our value will be multiplied by 10 if we launch successfully our vehicle. But again, it's quite hard to do it in a maiden flight. Of course. But let's assume that everything works according to plan. What will this median flight look like? How long will it take? How, yes. What will its altitude be? What's the, mm -hmm. What will the mission trajectory look like? Yes. So it's a suborbital mission. It's a parabolic flight. So we started, let me say, we start the terminal countdown like 12 hours before reviewing everything, starting up the, let me say, all the ground equipment, all the ground system. After that, we started the rocket. We check everything in terms of avionics, sensor, actuators, and things like that in drive. Two hours before the flight, we start the filling of the fields, oxygen, liquid, kerosene, helium, all the gases. We pressurize all the tanks to the nominal levels. And at T-minus, let me say, 12, 10 seconds, the rocket do several internal checks just to receive from the onboard computer that everything is healthy in the rocket, in the engine, we start the engine. Even in that point, we check that the engine is perfectly started. And after that, the vehicle send a signal to the ground base to start the release of the rocket. After that, we plan to go straight for 100 meters, something like that, 10 seconds just going up. And after that, we do a turn movement to the sea and we maintain that pitch for two minutes or something like that. So the idea is to test everything at system level flying because the Americans say that the, in that business, if you don't fly, you lie. So we want to pass <laughs> from, from lying to fly. <laughs> How will the vehicle come down? Is this a disposable launcher? We will try to recover the rocket, but this is a kind of tertiary. It's our final objective. Our idea is to go as higher as we can. Our expectation is will be hard to achieve let me say more than 80, 90 kilometers high will, will be quite hard to achieve, let me say, space formally, but it's not the objective. But it's in our objective in the mission to, to develop a re-entry experiment. Mira 1, it's a re-entry experiment because we are developing today our Mira 5, having the capacity to recover and refly the booster of Mira 5. So Mira 1, it's, it's also to test how we can, let me say, re-enter the atmosphere at super high altitude to test heat shields, to test GNC maneuvers and see that it's an experiment at the end of the day. And if we survive the accident, we survive the re-entry, we have parachutes on board and we will try to recover the rockets from the sea just to do inspection and to see how everything was performed during the test flight. You've mentioned it several times. Mira 1 is a step towards Mira 5, and there will be different steps between this launch and the successful commercialization, the commercial use of Mira 5. Can you tell us a little bit about that? How does Mira 5 differ from Mira 1? Yes, yeah, so the, the main difference is the number of the engines of the booster because Mira 1 is a single-stage rocket, and Mira 5 is a two-stage rocket with five engines in the first stage. But let me say the basic technology, the 70% of the technology that we need to fly Mira 5, it's inside Mira 1 because Mira 1, it's a super complex vehicle. 
not just, let me say, the vehicle itself, like avionics, electronics, structures, engines, all the ground treatment, release mechanism, ground software, flight software, experience dealing with authorities, experience dealing with insurancers to deploy this infrastructure. So everything, let me say, at ground level is prepared for Mira 5. And we are just, let me say, training <laughs> with Mira 1. So, or in the other hand, we need to develop several, let me say, new technologies for Mira 5, like a turbo pump. So we are now close to start let me say, the qualification testing of our new turbopan to feed our new engines. But we didn't see, let me say, a huge risk on that because we'll be our fourth generation of our engines. So we are very confident on that. Uh, and the same with the staging mechanism, that it's completely different than Mira 5. All the other things are almost, let me say, demonstrated and developed. Mira 1 is just to, let me say, scale up the size of the rocket. Okay, that makes sense. Now, how many Mira 1 launches will there be before you start testing Mira 5? It depends because today we will make the decision day by day because having the results. So we are manufacturing three units. So we manufacture one unit. We call it the serial number zero to do all the ground testing that we performed that test past, past year. And after that, we manufacture serial number one. It's currently in the pad, serial number two here in the workshop and serial number three under production today. So we want to have, let me say, stocks. And depending on the succeed or not of that of that flight vehicle, we will make the decision if we move, let me say, the team to focus everything in Mira 5 or not, or having another one. So we want to have, let me say, the flexibility. But um, at the end of the day, 80% of the company today is working in Mira 5. So just the flight operation team is in the base. So today we are, let me say, completely focused since one year ago in Mira 5 development. So what's the plan of the first commercial launch of Mira 5? When can we see this going into commercial operations? Today, let me say the official date, it's 2025, any month. So we want to set the proper expectation. We failed in the past a lot and we learned from that because we say several times, this year launch attend, this year launch attend, and it never came. Uh, we want to be very honest with our investor, customer, and all the stakeholders, because to develop that system is super hard. We learn a lot from Mira 1, and it's hard to go fast. And if you go super fast, you are assuming a lot of risk, and sometimes, you know, that business, our understanding of the business is not to be, let me say, the first one to launch something into orbit, is to be the most reliable one in the next 10 years. So plus minus one years achieving orbit, it's not the difference to has more shares percentage of the markets. We are a very, let me say, no risk assumed player in comparison with others. Of course, we can assume more risk like an institutional programs and things like that. But we understand that business in, in a mid and long term vision. And the, our idea is to becoming a leader in Europe in the next five, 10 years. Now, we talk a lot about the market and you said you want to be a leader in Europe. We know that there's a lot of competition in Germany, in the UK. There are several micro-launch companies that are pretty well developed, maybe not as far yet as you, but how does the competitive landscape in Europe mm -hmm. look like? And what will the impact of a successful launch be on this competitive landscape? Yes, no, no. As I mentioned, competition is hard in Europe. In my opinion, it's hard at global level because that business is completely global. Of course, we are from Europe. I am from Spain. I am from Elche. Proud to be from that regions, but at the end of the day, we are competing at a worldwide. We, we compete with ISAR, FAA, Orbex, and also Rocket Lab, Farfly, and all the other guys, even in China or South Korea. So we are competing at global level. The good news for everybody is that the market is super big. So it's growing like hell. 
we are following all the forecasts from the consultancies and each year it's like doubling the number of small satellites to launch it into space. So I think in the next five or 10 years, we will sell all the rockets that we can produce. And this is why we are increasing our workshop capacity. So I think it's good for Europe because at the end of the day, it's good for our business. If that market starts, continues growing and growing, there will be business for our colleagues in Germany or in UK or in another region with new cameras. When you think about to found to create a new restaurant, it's good to put it in a street with more restaurants because that does mean that the people, they want to go and there are market and you know, our vision on that, it's quite, let me say, it's to compete. Of course, we are competing, but also we collaborate. And this is quite strange to understand sometimes because we can share customers. We can, uh, because at the end of the day, our capacity, our capacities today, it's not that big. So imagine everything goes super, super well for me, for our German colleagues and things like that. We will put in the next five, five or four years, I don't know, 10 rockets, no more than that. Oh, because that business has a very, let me say, the ramp up. It's not easy to start from zero to 30 launches per year in two years. So yeah. there are markets for everybody. And I think that will be a good for Europe and good for the business. So what type of frequency are you preparing for also in, in your ma in manufacturing pipeline? How mm -hmm. many launches will you be able to do over the next couple of years? Yeah, so our current capacity is to manufacture six, 10 launches per year. And being boosters, sorry for that, and 30, 35 second stages per year. So this is our, let me say, current time per year. We can scale up, it depends on the market. So today our vision is we can sell everything that we can produce until, let me say, 20, 30 launches per year. That will be a record. Even being a multi-space part company, because sometimes the bottleneck is not the workshop, is to have a launch window, to have insurance, to have a space for available to, to defend that flight, flight cadence. So looking forward to that, you're launching from, from a military installation in Huelva at the moment. That's mm -hmm. where the Mural 1 launch will take place. Is that also your intended location for commercial launches? No, unfortunately, it's not a good place to do orbital flights because, you know, if you launch from there to orbit, you need to launch retrograde. You have a big penalty in terms of performance. So we are planning to develop a space for worldwide speaking. So our first implementation will be French Guiana in Kourou, but we are working with another two new locations to start also our implementation because we want to have three spaceports worldwide in the next, let me say, two, three years. Any news on where that may be? Is that in, in the equatorial band as well? It depends. So today we are not disclosing in which one we are planning to go because the strategic decision was not made today. We are doing the trade-off between a lot of different options. We are lucky because there are a lot of European, let me say, spaceports under development today and also outside Europe. So I think that will be not a bottleneck. It's just to select the good one because you can open new markets, you can have access to new customers when you operate from different regions. So this is our ambition today. Now let's look at the commercial pipeline. You said I can easily fill all the launches up until the end of this decade. How is that going? Are you actively out there selling launch capacity? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we started not that much ago. We started, let me say, the formally speaking, the commercialization of our Mira 5 launches like two, three quarters ago, because we don't want to start, let me say, the commercialization super early. We saw a lot of other newcomers going super early to the market. You need to offer big discounts and the risk of penalty because of delays are super big. If you don't have, let me say, the rocket in the pad or let me say, or low risk timeframe to develop the final activities before to attend 
the demand of one of our customers. And we, let me say, we push and we, let me say, retain our commercial guys to say, guys, not sell nothing today because there are a lot of uncertainty. We want to see Mira One flying and we want to have the confidence to serve that because when you don't have, when you don't have a customer, you can delay, but when you sign the contract, you have penalties and we want to be sure that we will, let me say, for us, the success of our customers, it's our maximum priority. So this is, this business is not to manufacture rockets, it's to have the customer happy. And we want to be very honest with our team, with our shareholders, with our customers. And this is where we start. So today we have more than 300 million of, let me say, uh, pre-orders or bookings or pipelines. It's not minding, but the intention is there. Unfortunately, in Europe, there are not that much flight opportunities today. So all the satellite platform manufacturers and satellite operators, they need to allocate, let me say, payload and mass in our vehicles and all and in our competitors. This is why today, this year, we are receiving live request for quotation every week. And this is crazy. Even in Spain, there are a national market here in Spain. For me, it's a surprise. The foundation of the National Space Agency, there are a lot of national big programs in Europe, worldwide, with LATAM. There are several opportunities to fulfill the manifest in the early days. Another thing is to launch 30 or 40 launches per year. That will be a hard challenge, but to fill the first four, five, even six launches are quite not easy. The market is there. Sure. Excellent. Wow. That's really nice to hear. Let's go back real quickly to the upcoming launch of Mira One. The launch window extends until the 31st of May, I understand. Is that still the situation? It's, let me say, formally we have, let me say, the acceptance, but we can extend it until June with not that much problem. That base is quite, let me say, flexible because it's super small base. It's easy to manage. It's easy to clear the safety area. So we need to deal, let me say, in summer because it's a touristic place, beach with weather. But our authorities and the army, they have a lot of experience clearing the safety area. So if we can launch this week, we will have more opportunities soon. So we are just having a look in the sky and trying to, and praying. To yeah, the, the, yes. the weather's <laughs> been particularly bad over the last days, I understand. So that's a real Yes, bummer. super. Yeah, so we have, let me say, it's a very common in, in that days in the south of Spain. We call Dana. It's a kind of situation of storms, rains, and things like that. Very bad weather these days. But it's super, it's mega bad weather, but a few days. Maybe it's one week, two weeks, no more than that. So I think we will have very good weather in the coming days and the team is preparing the launch soon. So stay tuned because there are many things happening today. We will stay tuned. And how can people stay tuned? Where do they need to go <laughs> for, for the latest information? And how will you yes. inform people once <laughs> the clock starts ticking? Yes. So I think we are very informal. So I think our Twitter account will be the place to hustle the alerts. We will put in live streaming the maiden flight. So... I don't know if we will <laughs> show to everybody a rocket failing, but we want to be very transparent and we want to show how hard this has been to everybody at world level. And also, for example, following our YouTube account, because we will put in our YouTube account the live streaming there, also in our webpage. So it will be easy to stay in knowledge one day before to allocate our first, let me say, attempt, because it's hard to achieve this year and to do the lift of. Of course. I wish you all the best with this great upcoming milestone. Thank you for being so open and sharing all this information with us now, but also during the launch and taking the risk to do a live stream of your very first launch. That's much appreciated. The website, YouTube and Twitter is where people can find more information. Thank you very much, Raul, for spending this time with us today. And again, all the best for your upcoming flight. We'll all be watching. Thank you.
My pleasure. Thank you very much. If you have any remarks, questions or ideas, then please reach out to us by email at radio at spacewatch.global. If you like this or other episodes of Space Cafe Radio, then please leave us a rating on your preferred podcast platform. Information is the currency of today. And if you want to stay up to date with the latest developments in the global space industry, then please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global and subscribe to one of our newsletters. Of course, please don't forget to become a Space Watcher. My name is Remco, contributor at spacewatch.global. Your independent perspective on space.